Yo, 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 yo. I think this is, I keep saying I think this is episode, I'll be forgetting what episode we're on, man. God is so good. He's been giving us such great stamina in the ministry. It's a blessing to be able to even carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to you all. Um, To God be the glory. I hope you've been blessed this week. I hope you've been well. I hope that Sorry, I know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and I hope that we live in the promises of God. And that's one thing I'm currently struggling with, you know, living in his promises, knowing that I am well secure no matter the circumstances. So you may pray for me on behalf of that. I thank you. I love you. And let's get right to it, man. This week we're talking about, we're talking from, scripture will be taken from Mark chapter 5. We've been on a... um. We've been on a boat rant right lately, and, you know, we're not holding up now. So scripture this week is taken from Mark chapter 5, and this week is real special because, as I said on last Saturday night when I spoke this word originally, the Lord shifted this Friday night, meaning I was preparing a word for Saturday on Friday, and it didn't feel well. And I asked, Lord, you lead me, and it was through prayer with my Bible study crew that um led me to Mark chapter 5 because a lot of times God will speak to us through prayer or while we are praying or give us fresh revelation and guidance on where to go through go go to through prayer so you know this is my first word without any notes because I didn't prepare but um the Holy Spirit it's Christ who lives in me and I'm believing in him to pour out a fresh anointing without any notes, to bless your heart. And, you know, I just want to give God the glory and thank him because I always prayed for this and it's coming, it's coming to pass. And when you keep on praying and then you stop praying because you don't see it come to pass, remember the days that you prayed for what you asked for when it does come to pass and just give him glory and give him honor and give him thanks. But yeah, um, Today we'll be reading from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 21. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. We're going to call this place Jera because Gerasenes is, you know what we call Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him. Not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. Strong man. <laughs> no one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. For Jesus had already said to the evil spirit, Come out. Come out of the man. And Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, 
because there are many of us inside this man. And the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. And I want to stop right there. I don't want to give you the whole passage yet because, you know, I don't want you guys to get too bored too quick. I know y'all be getting bored in the word of the Lord. I don't want y'all getting bored. Now, let me stop. I'm just playing with y'all. Mark chapter 5. And before I even dive into the the depths of Mark chapter 5, I want to give you an overview, a context of Mark chapter 4. Because in Mark chapter 4, Jesus leads his disciples into a storm. Yep, you heard it. Jesus leads his disciples into a storm. But what the disciples don't see and what we don't see often in life is that every storm has a purpose. And it's not until we reach the other side that we realize why we went through the storm in the first place. And I say the other side because before they even crossed to Gerasenes or Jera, that we, as we call it, on the other side of where they were in the first place, life was prospering. Everything was going right. Yet Jesus said, let's cross to the other side. And a lot of times you could ask ourselves, you know, when everything's going right, why another storm just comes up scrolling in our lives? There's purpose in your storm. And we see this in Mark chapter 5. And we see where they arrived to. The other side of the lake in the region of Gerenesis. And you see what they encounter when they arrive. They encounter a demon-possessed man. A demon-possessed man. So they literally went through a storm to go into an infected place. An infested place. They went through the storm to go encounter someone who's not like Christ. So Christ could give them a new perspective. So Christ could give them a new perspective. Verse 2 says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit. Excuse the car passing by. I know y'all be loving fast cars. Sorry about that. I'm, I'm out here walking and doing the podcast. But, you know, sometimes you got to leave the comfort zone of where you are and go into new areas to, you know, be set free. But um, verse 2 says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Came out from the tombs to meet him. And for a long time, I wondered what the, what the parable of the light, the parable of the lamp really meant. And in this parable, you see where Jesus says that everything in the dark will come to light. And the Bible says that Jesus stepped off the boat, and as soon as he stepped off the boat, the man came out of the tombs. And you could just imagine how many people, Spirit, speak to me. You could just imagine how many people on a daily basis 
go on to that shore. Land on that shore. But as soon as Jesus landed on the shore, the demon stepped out. The man with the demon possessed in him stepped out of the very place that has been holding him hostage. The very place that the demon held him hostage. He stepped out. Because maybe the word of God is in line when it says that the light is in the darkness and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Maybe the light of Christ was so bright that anything that was holding down this man before had to get up and go meet Christ. Maybe because when, when we're held down by the weight of the world and when we're held down by the weight of our shame and when the demons of our life seem like they have hostage, as soon as Christ gets on shore, the man comes out. But the sermon of today is, he's in the distance. He's in the distance. And that stems from the verse 6, where he says, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. When he was in some distance away. He was on the same shore, yet a distance away. And verse 3 says, This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with the chain. He could no longer be restrained, even with the chain. A chain. And as I told you, the word shifted up on Saturday, and I didn't really understand. Until so you read the word carefully, and it says, could no longer. Which means that in the beginning, he could be restrained. But when you let a seed of the enemy grow without you trying to tame it from early, when you let a thought in your head grow without you giving it up to God from early, then there's a point where it comes no longer containable. And no matter what you do, because look what they try to restrain him with a chain. With a chain. Think how much chains we try to put out on demons. Chains that come from the world. Chains that represent the world. We try to put the ability to have company. You know, the ability to want to be seen, the ability to post. All these things that we try to hold down our demons with, not realizing that our demons are stronger than the very thing that we try to hold him down with. But you see, the chains couldn't hold him down. Because he was too strong. But as soon as Christ stepped off the boat, I think I know your demon's weak spot. I think I know your demon's weak spot. It's not the power of the chains. It's the power of Christ. And Christ is saying that I'm on your shore. He's saying that I'm on your shore. I'm in the distance, but I'm on your shore. 
And the very thing that you've been trying to hold your demons down with cannot hold it down. So why you keep trying? The Bible says whenever he was put into chains and shackles, whenever he was put into chains and shackles, no one was strong enough to subdue him. No one, no one was strong enough to subdue him. No matter who he came across, this demon was too powerful. It was too powerful for anyone to think they had a nerve to control him. The anxieties in our life, the depressions in our life, the hopelessness in our life, the shame in our life. Come on. What happens when it feels like nothing could subdue? No matter what you do, no matter how much measures you take, there's something that's keeping you locked up in this tomb of doubt. There's something that's keeping you locked up in this tomb of of no faith. And you're trying to hold it down with the with what you have access to. Forgetting who you have access to. And day and night he wandered because he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. He wandered. He wandered. Among the caves and the hills. Why did he wander? Because when we live by flesh, when we allow the anxieties and the demons in our lives to control us, that's what we do. We wander. Instead of worship. And wanders always produces worry. When will this be done? What's next? What's new? And look, day and night, so he was just in this one comfort zone. Among the burial caves in the hills, in this dead zone. This man, possessed with this demon, in a dead zone. How many of us have been in this dead zone? to myself. There's nothing more to hope for. And the glimpse of light seems so far away. The glimpse of light seems so far away. And look what this man would do. He, he would cut himself with with sharp stones. Why? Because remember where he was. Burial caves and hills. So stones are all around him. So he would detriment himself. With the closest thing he has access to. Because when we're down in the press. We run to the closest thing. That we have access to. To harm us. That is not our rock. Jesus Christ. 
but a stone's a thing of this world. He would cut himself with it. He would cut himself with it. He would cut himself with it. So that's all he could see. That's all he knew. That's all he was in bondage to. Seeing stones on the daily. But when Jesus is still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. When Jesus was still some distance away, Jesus came to him, but the man ran to him. And right now, Jesus is saying, I need some of you to run to me. I need some of you to run to me. And right now, especially in this season of coronavirus or whatever you're going through, I can imagine that it feels like Jesus is in the he's in the distance. He's in the distance. But oftentimes where he feels the most distant is where we have to run to him even more. And also, oftentimes, where he feels the most distant is when he's in our area the most. Jesus was never close to this demon-possessed man before. But where the man saw him in the distance, it was actually the closest Jesus had ever been to him. Maybe he's closer to you than you think. Maybe he's closer to you than you think. The man saw him, and as soon as he saw him, he ran to him. So he shifted. So remember what he was doing, cutting himself with stones. Thank you, Jesus. Cutting himself with stones. So the light of Christ was so bright that he shifted his focus off the stones and on his Savior. He shifted his focus off the stones and on his Savior. Because he said, maybe if I could just run to him, maybe, just maybe, I don't have to wander anymore. I don't have to worry anymore, but I could start, worship, start worshiping in spirit and in truth. Maybe, just maybe, if I could just run to him. He's in the distance, a distance away. Look what happens. He bowed low before him. He was so tired. Bowing down to the demon. And he now bowed down to his deliverer. He made up his mind that he was doing something new today. <laughs> he was going to do something new today. He was going to bow 
bow low before the very man that he knew only had the potential to set him free. And it's funny what Jesus does with this with these demons. Because with a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? The demons knew Jesus. The demons knew Jesus. Which means the man didn't just come out to meet Jesus, but the demons did. Because even the demons know that when Jesus comes into the place, when Jesus steps into the atmosphere, he is the great authority. He is the great high priest. So they have to tremble before him and bow before him. That's what happens when Jesus steps onto the shore. But the demons don't bow. The man doesn't bow. Unless he runs. And you could just imagine the tension that the enemy was telling this man. Stones are saving. And in the between, when the a thousand thoughts. And the a thousand thoughts came into this man's head. And the enemy saying, just stay here. It's going to be okay. Go wander some more. You could wander some more. You can wander some more. You can wander in your despair some more. You can wander in your sadness some more. You can wander in your hopelessness some more. You can wander. Just wander around. Just wander around. Because when the enemy has a hold of you, and I could detest to this, or when he thinks, or when you think he has a hold of you, you're in the cycle of wandering around the same place back and forth. And you can just imagine the enemy saying, just stay. can imagine the Holy Spirit saying, come. Your deliverance is here. Your deliverance is here. Some of you right now are asking, why can't I just be at rest? Why can't I be at peace? If he doesn't run, he doesn't get the rest that he desires to receive. So he runs to Jesus and the demons say, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. I almost named this sermon, it's already out. It's already out. Because Jesus commanded the spirit to get out. Before the man even bowed before him. Maybe as soon as Jesus stepped on the shore, he told the spirit to get out. And that gave the man the willpower to run too. Or maybe in the process of running too, is when the burdens of what's been holding him down alleviated. Because when you seek first the kingdom of God, you see seeking and running too, it's a process. But the more you run to, is the more the enemy runs from. Because you see, the Bible says to submit to God and to resist the devil and he will flee. Because you running to is resisting the temptation to stay. So the devil doesn't flee 
based on you running because of who you are, the devil flees based on who he sees you running to. So what if you could just choose to run to Jesus today? And maybe it's already out just by the simple fact that he is Savior, that he is Lord, that he is mighty God. But if you don't run too, then you think the same demon that God already casted out is still king over your life. And with a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me? And then Jesus demanded, what is your name? What is your name? Because I love the way Jesus treats these demons. Because a lot of times we like to keep our demons on the inside. A lot of times we like to think, keep the things that's holding us hostage on the inside. We like to keep them in secret. But Jesus says, what is your name? What is your name? Because Jesus is not only going to comfort you, but he's going to confront the very thing that has been holding you. Because anytime he comforts, is actually a confrontation between him and the spiritual principalities. And the spiritual principalities, look what, look, look what the demon has to do. He replied. He replied. Because when Jesus speaks, when Jesus speaks, every knee and every tongue shall confess. That he is Lord. When Jesus speaks, even the very things that you're going through have to reply at the sound of his voice. Just the sound of his voice. Remember how we discussed the storm in Mark 4? There's purpose in your storm. Jesus might have been a distance away, but the whole time that the disciples were going through the storm and Jesus was resting, he was resting because he got a bigger battle on the other side. He had a bigger battle on the other side. The whole time they were going through the storm, the disciples didn't realize that they are going through the storm for the sake of one soul. And you could just imagine them like, God, we actually came here for one soul. We actually came here for one soul. And so you realize that the same soul that Jesus went there for went into 10 different towns in that same region and professed the good things that the Lord did for him. You see, because Jesus is not only going for the sake of one soul, he looks past the one soul and sees the many souls. But in our view, Jesus, you only came here for one soul. He only came here for one soul. And if he even did bring you through your storm for the sake of one soul being saved, the Bible says that one lost sheep. Heaven rejoices over. But Jesus saw the bigger picture. He saw the bigger picture. That if I could reach this man who's an outcast, that if I could let this man who's an outcast know that he is pure and clean through me alone, that if I could give this man a new hope and a new day, maybe the same people that rejected him will no longer see the power of the demon in him, but see the power of the Lord through him.
Because no matter, because remember, remember the Bible says no one could subdue him. So no one had power over the demon. So the demon would possess each and every mind thinking that he has the most power. But there's this one man who had more power than the demon and his name is Jesus. And maybe he's going to take someone who's been rejected and outcasted and, and depressed and anxious like you. And use you as a vessel for his very purpose to show you and to show others. What it's all about. Sorry. Who it's all about. And the demon replies to Jesus and my name is Legion. Because there are many of us inside this man. And the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. Not to send them to some distant place. In the moment last Saturday when I was preaching the message, I didn't I, I failed to realize why. Why? Why would they want to go to some non distant place? Why would they want to stay close? And I asked the Holy Spirit in the moment and he revealed just this because Jesus gave them permission to not go far. Jesus gave them permission to not go far. And he sent them into the pigs that were right there. But the pigs ended up going off the cliff with the demons within them. And I asked the Lord, why? Why so near? Why so near? And he said this. Because the demons wanted permission to go close. I gave it to them. They could go close. But no matter if they're close or far. Once I've intervened in your life, once I've stepped foot in your life, they cannot come back in you. And they have no more power over you. Because sin is no longer your master, but grace is. And look what happens to the pigs. They fall off the cliff and drown. The demons drown. Maybe our destiny is deliverance. Maybe the enemies in our lives, destiny has already been set as drowning. Drowning, 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 drowning in what? Drowning in defeat at the foot of the cross. That's why you send them to a distant place. To show that whether you think you're close to my people or not, I have control over them. And you might think that the enemy is more closer to you right now than God himself. But God is saying, I have control over you. For who I set free is free indeed. Because the chains couldn't hold him down. So Christ didn't hold or restrain the demons. Christ set them loose. He set them loose. He said, go. Go into the pigs. Gave them what they wanted. They didn't want to be held down. They wanted to be set loose. So what was Christ doing here? Holy Spirit, speak to me. What was Christ doing here? Showing that I prevail. Showing that I prevail. 
showing that what the enemy meant for evil, the Lord turns it for good because the enemy wanted to go close so he could go back into this man's life. But the Lord switched around the enemy's plan because the whole time he had a purpose. And the herdsmen, the herdsmen, the pig people, fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. He didn't even come to reach the herdsmen and still reach the herdsmen. Because God will make a move in your life that will affect another man's life that overlooked you the whole time. And people rushed out to see what happened. And a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had possessed, who had been possessed, who had been possessed, past tense, because any man in Christ is a new creation, who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, listen, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Because when you encounter something that you unexpect, when you see something and see a revelation that you never could come to pass, the Bible says they were afraid. Not at who the man was, but who he is. And you could just imagine if he was fully clothed, imagine the ripped up clothes he had before. Imagine who he was before. And people get used to who you were before. So when they see the new you, they're afraid. And they didn't only tell people about the man, but the pigs. The pigs is just as important as the man in the story. The pigs is just as important as the man in the story because this is the gospel. This is the gospel. That Jesus went across the lake. Remember, he was succeeding on the other side of the lake. Went across the lake. Went through a storm. Went through a storm. But the storm didn't affect him like it affected his disciples. Sin didn't affect him like it affected us because he never committed the act of a sin. So he overcame the very storm that we felt and that we're supposed to feel. And he reached the other side and he encountered a demon-possessed man. And a lot of us, when we hear of people's anxieties and problems, we turn them away and shun them. We turn them away and shun them. But Christ said, uh-uh. 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 
I accept you. And I love you where you are so much that I don't want to keep you where you are. But if you could just run to me. Christ did his part. Now it was the demon-possessed man's turn to do his part. And the pigs. The dirty, unclean pigs. It represents what happens to the enemy at the foot of the cross. His destiny is defeat. And you can just imagine the man saying, Lord, why would you why would you send him to the pig so near, so near? You just imagine the Lord saying, It's already finished. It is finished. And look at the beauty of it. And I just got this. That is so good. God didn't even confront the man. He confronted the demon in the man. He confronted the demon in the man. He confronted the sin in the man. And now I realize why Paul says, I want to do good, but I can't do good because of the sin within me. God is confronting the sin, the shame, the guilt within you to show you who you are. Really. Through him. The Bible says the man was fully clothed. Fully clothed and perfectly sane. That's what he saw all the time. Fully clothed and perfectly sane. That's what Jesus saw the whole time. But when you're so infested, the things of the world holding you hostage, you don't see yourself for who Jesus wants you to see you as, but you see the demon within you. The one encounter with Christ, he becomes a new creation. Christ saying, I don't want you to no longer see the demon within you, the sin and the guilt overbearing your life. I want you to know that you're now blameless and faultless only by my blood. Because that demon-possessed man, that's us. That's us. Just because that's who we were, don't mean we have to make that control and hinder us from being who we are supposed to be. Free. Free in Christ Jesus. And look what happened in verse 17. Everyone's seeing the good news and they're seeing the nice clothes, man. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Some people are not going to accept your transformation because they're comfortable they're comfortable. They're comfortable. They're comfortable. Some people are not going to accept your transformation. Because they're comfortable not even being transformed themselves. 
They think they got it under control. So we'll be on to them, but blessed are you. Know that you're not in control of your life, that you don't have no power of your life, but God does. And the simple fact that you run to him in the midst of your pain and your shame, I have to be reminded reminded this this week. The simple fact that you're running to him, because a lot of times we feel like you're running to him and we feel like we're running from him because of the shame that we're running out of. And when we're running to him, I want you to know that you just simply running to him and seeking him and having the intent of going to him brings him glory. Bring some glory. And the man said, Jesus, Jesus, can I go with you? Can I go with you? Can I go with you to the other side of the boat? Jesus, Jesus, can I go with you? And Jesus said, no. <clears throat> go home to your family. I wondered, why would Jesus say no? Why would he say no? Jesus told him that he can't go with him. Well, Jesus ever told you if you can't go with him. You can just imagine this man wondering, Jesus, what? And the Bible doesn't say he, he, he said this, but I could just imagine Jesus saying, I'm already with you. I'm already with you. Your body is the temple of the Lord, and, and its dwelling is where the Spirit is. I'm already with you. And him going back to the other side of the lake, remember where I said that? Where all his, all his succeeding was, all the good life was. That represents his ascension to heaven. When he resurrected and he told his disciples, listen, before his resurrection, he told his disciples, listen, I go, but I leave with you a representative. I leave with you an advocate, the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I'm with you still. And though it may seem like I'm in the distance, I'm still with you. And I love you. And he doesn't only reveal the man from his pain. Anytime he chants, anytime he releases us from pain, he rescues us with purpose. And he gives this man a purpose. Go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. This man who was once demon-possessed, was now given purpose by the very deliverer that delivered him from the demon. When you see someone, this is for us believers now. This is for us believers now. When you see someone hurting, possessed with sin and shame, possessed with sin and shame, 
Don't turn your face away from them. But show them love. Show them the very thing, the very light that they're running to you for. Don't send them back into the very darkness they're running from. Show them love. The same way you were once like that demon-possessed man and I saved you from the power of sin, is the same way I saved them as well. And all it is is self-awareness. Because as mentioned before, the demon was already out of the man when Jesus stepped on the shore. As soon as, because Jesus already um, casted him out. Whether it was when he was coming out of the tomb, when he was already in the tomb. One could say it was when he was in the tomb or else he wouldn't be able to come out of the tomb. But one could say that when he was running because of a light so attracted. But the moral of the story is that your demons are out. And now it's all about awareness. Do, do, do I still think like I'm an old creature? Or do I live like I'm a new creation? The old life is gone. The new life has begun. Live not only in the now, I said it's a few weeks ago, but in the new. And Jesus is saying, right now, come out of your tombs. Come out of the tombs. And look what the man says. Look what the man does. He started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. On the surface, when Jesus was first taken in this demon man, you can just imagine the disciples thinking, for one man? But uh uh-uh. Jesus says, I would take one man, rescue him, and give him a purpose that he never knew he had to save many souls. There's purpose in your storm. And a lot of times we don't see the, or we can't live in the, Glory of our victory until we see the result of the storm. Whoever's going through a storm right now, I want you to live in the victory. Live in a sense that Peter, John, and the disciples didn't see when they're in this storm. That everything happens for a reason. That all things work together for those who love the Lord. And verse 21 is powerful. And we close out here. Jesus got into the boat again. And went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. He went back. He went back. He went back to where they were getting all the attention. He went back to the quote-unquote normal. And for this season that we're in, we're going through a revival. Well, we're going back. We're going back. Going back to the same place we were before Corona, but it's going to be the same places, but new people. And it's our job that when we go back, we now have the mindset that we don't 
shun unbelievers who want him. We don't shun those who mess up. We don't shun those who are possessed with the demons of this world, of anxiety, of depression. But we take them in and show them a love that they never experienced before and show them a power that could only set free. And this man was now set free because who Christ sets free is free indeed. So stop. Living like a failure. Start living like a free. And I had to tell myself this. Because in that tension, we fight that tension every day. Do we do we stay in our tombs or do we run to God? Because it's a daily walk. It's a daily thing that you have to die to self. It's a daily thing that we have to come out of our tombs and go to him. I don't know what your tombs are, but Christ right now is saying, Today, right now, who's ever listening, come out. I'm on your shore. I might seem distant, but I'm more near than I am distant. Because I am close to those who are broken hearted. Come out. He's in the distance, people. Come out. And I have hope. Because the whole time Jesus was going through that storm, he had that man in his head. And you're going through a storm and Jesus has you in his mind saying, this, 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 this child of mine doesn't know what, I, what I'm about to do in his or her life. But I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. It's the gospel written all over the story that he, he went into a storm that he didn't have to go into. To meet up with a man who, whose sin held more weight than him. To show him a love, to purify him in a way in which he realized that this love is greater than any sin that could hold account that could hold me hostage. This love so great that he didn't want to go back to the demon possessed life. He didn't want to go back to wandering, but he wanted to persist in worshiping. The rejection of Christ saying, no, don't come with me because I've accepted you and you have ran to me and my spirit is with you wherever you go. It wasn't rejection. It was restoration. It wasn't rejection. It was the power of his resurrection. Spirit is with you wherever you go. And when he set you free, don't live in the old, but live in the new and live in the purpose he has given you. And others are going to reject you because of your transformation. But others are going to accept the one who transformed you. Live for him. It's saying for too long you've been allowing these possessed demons of the world to have hold over you. But now it's my turn. I've stepped on your shore and I've set you free. But you can't live in the freedom if you don't run to me. So come home. Saying, well, Josh, how do I do this? How do I do that? He makes it so easy. Excuse me. Excuse me. 
So in Romans 10 verse 9, that those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and by God's power is raised from the dead, then they will be saved. And what does it mean to be saved? It means that the, 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 the demons that held life, when I say demons, I mean like the things of this world, the anxieties, the depressions, the heartaches, the heartbreaks, the hopelessness that once held weight over you, the shame, the guilt, hell. The enemy, Satan, no longer has power over you because Christ has purchased you. Christ. Christ has prized you. The Bible says we are his precious prize. So why live as painful pity and not as what you're called to be, a precious prize? Whoever wants to step into their purpose right now and encounter Christ Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior, the Bible says whoever does this, he's created a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So no matter how people judge me, judge you, Christ sees you as faultless and blameless. Your sin no longer has power over you. So you no longer live by the flesh, but you now live by the spirit. Because anything that feeds the flesh is of the world. And this world can never satisfy. Only the Jesus that I know who died for our sins can. Because the peace of mind and heart that he gives the world does not give. This peace of mind and heart is eternal. I know whoever heard this, you've heard of heaven before. That's the life we get. That's the access we get to live in paradise when this world is all said and done. When he comes back again. That's why he came here, so we could have access to the place where we didn't have access to before because of our sin. So we could go to God boldly anytime, knowing that we have been forgiven. Knowing that we will get grace where he needs. And it's so beautiful because... Who would imagine a man who would lay down his life for other people so they could experience all that he is about? The peace, the love, the joy, the hope. No one just gives up their life if they don't love you. I'm saying, I know you messed up. I know you have a past, but I have redeemed you. I call you by your name and you are mine. And the punishment, think about think about this verse. The punishment that gave us peace was placed on him. Purchased our peace, our punishment. We were supposed to be on the cross. But he died for our sins. So we don't have to feel the wrath of God, but we could feel the wonders of God and experience them and live in them. And I want to show you something new today. I want to give you purpose today. I want to set you free from your sin today. I want to set you free from your shame today. But you got to run. You got to run to me. You got to run to me.
better run to him. If you're ready to run to him, you could just get after me because this this prayer of salvation allows you to live a heavenly life in this world. To know that you're in this world, but you're not of it. So the peace that passes all understanding, so it could richly fill your hearts. The peace of Christ could richly fill your hearts, knowing that this is not your home. Here it is. Lord, I am a sinner. But because of your grace, I am whole. I am saved. And I am free. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And by your blood, you have redeemed me. I believe by God's power, you rose from the dead. So that I may live again. So that I may live in purpose. I accept you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. And make a new home. In Jesus' name. Amen. As simple as that. I believe you just pray that prayer. You've been saved. You've been given eternal access to the kingdom of God. You know how you, you now have the ability to experience a peace that you never experienced before. And you could always feel free to go to God when you can't overcome knowing that he has overcome for you. And you could go boldly knowing that the shame that of before is no longer rules over your life now. But when God sees you, he sees the son Jesus Christ. Live in it, walk in it, breathe it. I love you. And the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Personally, publicly, I'd like to glorify God for speaking to me without any notes, for just flowing upon my heart. This beautiful message. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love ya. See you next week. Deuces.